Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. As we look at our uh, sermon series for this Advent season, we're looking at a sermon series called Roots looking at what is sort of the origin story of Jesus, that Jesus doesn't just come to us uh, without any background, without any context, that Jesus comes to us from a rich history, a rich tradition, and that he is enfleshed in the middle of all that. The first week of the series, we talked about how Jesus comes to us from a family. And then last week, we looked at Jesus comes to us from a people group, the people of God. And today we're looking at how Jesus comes to us from a place, that Jesus enters into human history in a specific time, in a specific place, and what does that mean for us today as Easter people? So our scripture reading for today is going to be the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. If you have your Bibles and you want to open them up to there, hear the word of the Lord. When he had called together all the, chief, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. The word of God for you and me, the people of God, thanks be to God. So as we look at this idea of Jesus being born in the town of Bethlehem, I think there's a lot of aspects, especially when it comes to Christmas and Easter, these habits that we get into and these stories that we tell repeatedly to ourselves, sometimes we can miss out on the significance of what is happening in the gospel story. And I think Jesus being born in the town of Bethlehem is one of those instances of sometimes we can just gloss over this reality and kind of skip over it because we already know the story. But Jesus is born in the little town of Bethlehem. We even have a Christmas hymn for it, O Little Town of Bethlehem, that talks about the smallness of the city of Bethlehem that the King of kings and Lord of lords is born into. And as I was doing some research and prep for this sermon, I thought, surely Bethlehem has some significance in it. There's a lot of places written down in the Bible. There's a lot of minor locations where miraculous and wonderful things happen in the Bible. Surely Bethlehem is one of those places that has a lot of things going for it. Otherwise, why would God pick Bethlehem? And so here's what I found happens in Bethlehem in all of the Old Testament. It's the place where Rachel, Jacob's wife, dies, and it's the place where King David is born. That's it. There's really no other reference to Bethlehem. They kind of reference that David's grandparents go and live in Bethlehem, which is kind of like a no-duh. 
Uh, but that's really the only significant part of Bethlehem. It's the place where King David is born, and even King David doesn't stay in Bethlehem. He goes to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is known as the city that David builds up and founds, that there's no historical significance to the city of Bethlehem. It's not a major city. It's not an important city. There's no like major trade that goes on within Bethlehem. It's just a small farming village on the outskirts of Jerusalem. In the day of Jesus, most likely the town of Bethlehem was no larger than a thousand people. And it's about just a few miles from Jerusalem. And it's almost like you look at Bethlehem and you're like, Lord, you kind of missed you missed the spot by a few miles. You should have had Jesus be born in Jerusalem, not Bethlehem. Uh, for those of you who don't know about me, I was born in the small town of Alvin, Texas. How many of y'all know Alvin, Texas? Uh, and no offense if you're from Alvin, but Alvin is a small, uh, small town south of Houston, and there's nothing really major that happens in Alvin, is there? There's no, like, destination in Alvin, maybe outside Froberg's where you go strawberry picking. But what is the thing that you know about Alvin? Sure. It's a place that Nolan Ryan was born. In fact, as you drive into the city, it says, Welcome to Alvin, and almost as big as the words Welcome to Alvin is the words The Birthplace of Nolan Ryan. It's sort of what their claim to fame is, is that the best baseball player was born in their city. And I think that's kind of a similar analogy to what uh, we can think of as Bethlehem. It's this kind of small city where someone really, really famous was born. That's kind of about it. And so can you imagine being the people of Israel when they hear the words of the prophet Micah, which is what Matthew quotes from? Uh, Micah 5.2 says this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times." And can you imagine being those original hearers of that prophecy and be like, Bethlehem? Why is the king going to come out of Bethlehem? Don't they know nothing really happens in Bethlehem? It's a small city, this outskirts among probably the better known city of Jerusalem. The Messiah is really going to come to us from Bethlehem, I mean, can you imagine having a prophet come and stand among us and they say, when Jesus comes again in glory, he will come and descend on Alvin, Texas. And we would be like, Alvin, are you sure that's where Jesus is going to come back, Lord? We might look at each other and be like, really? That's the location you chose? And you look at Bethlehem and you kind of have a similar quizzical thought like, Lord, this is, this is the city that you chose, Bethlehem? I mean, there's much bigger cities in the area. You're right next to Jerusalem. Why not do go to the holy city of Jerusalem? Why not go to the capital of the Roman Empire? Why not have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords be born in Rome? Why not go to some other holy places in Israel's history like Shiloh or Bethel or these other significant cities in the history of Israel? Why did you choose Bethlehem? Because if I was the one making the plan of salvation, I surely would not have picked Bethlehem. 
I would have picked the place where Jesus would have the biggest platform and the biggest exposure. When the Son of God descends from eternal glory and makes his dwelling among us, he chooses the little town of Bethlehem. And so what does that tell us about God? What does that tell us about his character and his nature? I think there's a couple things this tells us. Firstly, I believe this tells us about God that to the Lord there is no place and no person that is insignificant to him. There is no place or person that is insignificant to God. Like I said, if I was choosing the different locations for the Messiah to be born in, I would not pick Bethlehem, but God did. But God chose to have the Messiah be born in this small village outside of Jerusalem. And then you look at the ministry of Jesus when you read the rest of the Gospels. Jesus doesn't spend most of his time uh, talking with bigwigs in Jerusalem. He doesn't spend time being buddy-buddy with the Sanhedrin. He spends most of his ministry in the Judean countryside along the Sea of Galilee near the fishermen and near laborers. And in fact, there's a big city in Jesus' day. Uh, right on the Sea of Galilee. And Scripture rarely records Jesus going inside that major city. In fact, he spends most of his time among farmers and what we would maybe deem as insignificant, normal, ordinary people. That is where Jesus decides to spend his ministry. He doesn't spend it in the holy city of Jerusalem. He just goes up there for the holy festivals. And he went to these places throughout the countryside and he went to the people who were the rulers of the city, right? No, Scripture says that he went and ate with sinners, dined with tax collectors, went to the people, went to every normal, everyday normal people. Jesus, when he went to a town, he didn't meet the mayor of the city, get the red carpet rolled out for him. He was with insignificant, everyday normal people. Because the people and places that we deem insignificant, the Lord says, are worthy of my glory to dwell with them. And just look at the stories in the gospel that when Jesus heals people, when Jesus meets people and transforms lives in the gospel, we're rarely given names of people. We're given sort of abstract titles of people like the woman at the well. The woman who had suffered from healing for 12 years. The 10 lepers. These are normal, everyday, maybe seemingly insignificant people that encounter the glory of the one who has come to make his dwelling among us. That the people who society deemed insignificant, the Lord says they are worthy of an encounter to me because if we truly believe that God loves all the world, we believe that God's heart is for all of humanity, that includes those that maybe feel insignificant and those that we deem insignificant. I think there may be times in our own personal lives, in our own story, where we may feel like the city of Bethlehem. We may feel like we're small and insignificant in comparison to others, in comparison maybe to the big city of Jerusalem right up the road. Whether we feel insignificant, it might be feeling small with our parents, maybe our friends, 
Maybe we're not the most popular person or we're not in the most popular social circle or we feel small and insignificant to our, in our schools and to our teachers, and we maybe feel like the struggles that we're going through, that we're suffering in silence, wondering, does anyone see me? Does God see me? Does he care for me and is he here for me? When we look at the story of Jesus, the only person in human history who could choose his birth, he chose, O oh, little town of Bethlehem. He goes to the small and the insignificant places because Jesus loves to make his glory dwell among small, seemingly insignificant people like you and me. Because the answer is a resounding yes to that question. God does care for the small and the insignificant, especially when we feel like we've been abandoned by everyone else. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. That's a story of the gospel told over and over. It's just told in different ways about how the Lord, the King of kings, the the true light from true light, God from true God comes into our life and He loves all that He interacts with and loves all of creation, especially those who are in need of a healing touch. In fact, it's with the small and the insignificant that Scripture tells us that the glory and power of God is most manifest. You are not insignificant in the eyes of the Lord. Do the way that we think about ourselves, does the way that we talk about ourselves line up with how God thinks and looks and interacts with you? Bob Goff, one of my favorite Christian writers, he, he says this analogy, kind of thinking about it, he says, you know, God has your picture hanging on his refrigerator, and that every time he looks at it, he smiles with pride that the King of kings and the Lord of lords sees you in your circumstance, in your situation, and he wants his power and his glory to rest in those places. This text also teaches us about how we are to live our lives and how we're to go about our ministry. As we think about Jesus coming into this specific place, into this specific city of Jerusalem, I think that this tells us about God's character, it's that the places that we live are chances for the glory of God to come and invade. The everyday, normal places that we live are chances for the glory of God to come and dwell among us. So you have Jesus being born in Bethlehem. We're kind of reading the story from Matthew right in the middle of the story of the Magi, that they have seen the stars shining above Bethlehem, and they say, we got to go see what that star is pointing to. That Jesus is born into this city of Bethlehem, and the stars declare the glory of the Lord has come and dwelt with his people. That the incarnate one is born in Bethlehem, that as the scripture says, he has come and made his dwelling among us. He has pitched his tent in our neighborhood. 
And when Jesus comes and enters into places and people, their lives are never the same again, just like Bethlehem is never the same after the King of Kings is born there. If you go to Israel now and you do tours of the Middle East, what's one of the places that you always try to go to? Try to go to Bethlehem to see where the place of Jesus is. In fact, there's this magnificent, beautiful church that's over the site where Jesus was born, that Bethlehem is no longer an insignificant city because Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. It's one of the holiest sites of our faith. And when I hear people who go to the Middle East, uh, my parents just got back from the Middle East, they said Bethlehem was one of their most exciting uh, trips that they went to as a part of that experience. Because when Jesus comes, when Jesus enters into insignificant places, when the glory of God rests upon us, suddenly those insignificant spaces have the glory of the King of Kings dwelling among them. And their lives of the people in the New Testament are the stories of a transformed encounter with the Lord. Friends, do we think about our lives that way? Do we think about the areas that we live and breathe? Do we think about the normal, ordinary circumstances that we find ourselves in? Our, our friends, our social circles, our work, our school, that these are all opportunities for the glory of God to come and be manifest in those spaces, for Jesus himself to come and dwell among us, and where Jesus comes and dwells among us, those get transformed into his glory and image. That the areas of our lives that we deem most insignificant, I think, are the very areas that Jesus says, that's exactly where I want to go, that I want to be a part of of your kid's sports league, that that's a chance for my glory to come and dwell in that space if only you'll invite me there. That I want my glory to come and dwell in your place of work if only you'll invite me there. That I want to be a part of your friend's social Wednesday night evening hangout if only you'll invite me there. That the transformative power of the grace of God enters into those insignificant places, those normal, ordinary places. And Jesus brings transformation with him wherever he goes. I think oftentimes in our faith, we've we've erected these artificial walls between what we'd say would be like our Christian faith life, and then here's our normal, everyday, secular life. And what Jesus wants us to do is not to have this big barrier between our our Christian side of us and then our secular side of us, but Jesus says, let's mix them all together. Let me come into the dark areas of your life so I can have light shine in the middle of that. Let me be a part of every day of your life, not just once a week, Sunday morning. Let me come and invade and have my glory dwell among you. That's the insignificant parts of our lives that Jesus says, those are what's most important to me. Because if Jesus is truly on a grand mission to save the world, which I truly believe that he is, that Jesus is, as the scripture says, redeeming all of the created order unto himself, that all of the world, even the insignificant areas, even the areas that we think, oh, those can just kind of be left alone, those are the areas that Jesus says, those is where I want to go. And I need people to go there. That everywhere you go is a place where Jesus goes with you. 
And where the presence of Jesus goes, miracles happen. Amazing, miraculous things happen. Friends, when we hear and look at the insignificant things around us or the things that we may deem insignificant or the people we deem insignificant, do we have a heart like the prophet Isaiah to hear the call of Christ to say, those are my people too, who will go to them? That we say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. As our communion stewards and band comes back up, I want to close with a story um, from E.M. Bounds. How many of y'all know the story of E.M. Bounds? I think, I know Emily does. Um, E.M. Bounds was a Methodist pastor after the Civil War. Uh, During the Civil War, he was a chaplain uh, for the Confederate Army trying to bring uh, some spiritual presence in an area where there was just a lot of darkness. And then after the war was over, he settled in the small town of Franklin, Tennessee. And Franklin, Tennessee was a site of one of the Civil War battles. And Ian Bounds felt that there was a spiritual heaviness that hung over the city of Franklin as he settled there. And the Civil War battlefield They didn't bury the dead in that Civil War battlefield, so he went and personally buried all those soldiers whose bodies were still lying on the field, and he buried them and gave them a proper burial, and then he still felt this spiritual heaviness over the city. And so he began to ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want to come and combat the darkness in this place? And so every Tuesday, Every Tuesday evening, E.M. Bounds gathered other men in the city, and they would gather in the town square, and they would intercede on behalf of Franklin, Tennessee, that they would cry out to God to come and dispel the darkness that had lingered over their city. And over the next few months, uh, the city of Franklin experienced a spiritual awakening, And E.M. Bounds Church, which by the time he got there, worshipped about 50, during the time of the spiritual revival and awakening, grew to about 500 in worship. But it was this idea that to E.M. Bounds, the city of Franklin was important to him because it was important to God. Friends, do you think of our city, the place that we dwell, the the areas that we interact, do we think of them, do we see them as important to God? Do you see your city as important to God? Your house, your life, your situation, do you see that as mattering to the Lord? Because in Advent, what we celebrate, what we remember, what we long for is the God who is dwelling in heavenly places, dwelling in eternal glory and steps into our darkness, the bright and morning star of David, to come and shine and announce that the king is here. Friends, are you bringing the king with you into darkness? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, Like we did last week, uh, we're trying to incorporate more uh, words of prophecy into uh, our Sunday mornings, and so this is where our prayer team uh, felt like the Lord was saying to us. So if any of these words resonate with you, uh, me or a member of our prayer team will be out in the front kind of cove areas. Uh, We feel like maybe there's a teenager in here who feels insignificant to God and their friends. They maybe feel isolated or alone, maybe an outcast. We also feel like there's someone in here, maybe a man, 
who has foot pain, and it's your right foot. If any of those resonate with you, we'd love to pray for you. But as we transition to the communion table, we remember that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, Father, said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins whenever you drink of it. Do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world. The body of Christ redeemed by your blood, by your spirit. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry unto all the world until we feast at your heavenly banquet. Lord Jesus, come and invade our darkness. Come and meet us in our insignificant areas and bring life and light into those areas. As we pray the prayer that your son taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.